0: everyone welcome back to life on the vine with your hosts i am hutch and i'm here with the fabulous junior high director mr jackson cybert
1: hello good to be with you dan
0: yeah always a pleasure always good to be together and if you've been listening to life on the vine for a while thank you so much and if you have not thanks for giving us a shot here on life on the vine our goal is to explore life in the kingdom of god what does it mean to attached to the vine who is christ and as we said at the beginning but we're our goal is to open the cans of worms yeah when we talk about life and politics and theology and what should we do money what should we do what should we do we talked about consumerism we want to pull off the lid spread the worms around and then let you pick up the pieces that's what we're here for yeah we're not here to tell you what to do no no we're just here to get you to think that's our goal that is our goal. Yeah. So, I'm excited about our episode today. Yeah, me too. But before we get started, I want to tell you a story. A story? Yeah. Can I tell you a story, Jackson? Uh, is it a good story? I, it's a pretty good story. Uh, sure. Okay. Let's hear it. Okay. Once upon a time, since all stories need to begin with once upon a time, mm-hmm. there was A CEO of a tech company now this uh, company was out the west coast Silicon Valley area and the CEO had two sons any daughters no just two sons yeah and uh, and the mother unfortunately had died early on so this dad raised these two sons uh, by himself from the time that they were in kind of junior high through the rest of their lives and this is a Disney story, and in Disney stories, all of the parents die, you know, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> uh, so two sons, and uh, he he was a good dad, and he trained them to become part of this company that he that he owned, and uh, someday his plan was for them to take over the company and and run it together. And um, when he wanted to retire, but one day the the younger son. Came to him and said, "Dad, you suck." Yeah, it kind of hurt, right? He's like, "Dad, uh, I, I really don't want anything to do with you, and I, I'm just like done with you. I'm done with you. I'm done with your family. I'm done with this company. I'm done with my brother. This, I just, I just can't even, right? And so he's like, "I'm out of here," and I'm out of here. But I also, I want my share of the stocks in the company. I want my payout right now. You promised me half the company when when like you go to retire. I want that now. Give it to me now, and then I'm out of here. So the dad was hurt. Mm-hmm. It's kind of sad. Um, but he did it. He cashed out half the shares of the company, gave it to his son, and his son pieced out. What did his lawyer think about that? You know, his lawyer did not think that, that was the wisest business move. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, the son went off with all these shares, um, more money than he had ever, you know, he theoretically knew how much money his his, his dad had in this company, but like, this was a lot of money. Um, he got he got the credit card. So he went to Vegas, he went to Reno, these, uh, you know, centers of morality and ethics, and he just went nuts i mean the best hotels the finest steaks the best prime rib and and it didn't stop there i mean he if you can imagine it happening in vegas he did it gambling oh yeah girls oh yeah cars oh yeah jewelry oh yeah drugs oh yeah
1: yeah I think I covered all the bases yeah
0: he did it all he uh he got all the all the tats all the piercings all the all the experiences and one day he woke up and he realized i'm broke shocking he had all his money, but he was completely broke, and so he went to there's this little rundown bar kind of off the strip went and talked to the manager and was like hey I need a job and he's like dude, we don't really have any jobs but uh if you want to like clean the place after hours and uh, you can do that and we'll we give you a couple bucks each night and so he did that for a while and after a while he just got sick of it and he was just like so depressed i mean he was he was in a bad way he's in a bad way but one day he was cleaning he's like 3 a.m., you know, he's he's wiping gum off the bottom of chairs. That's, you know, gum. Uh, other stuff, puke off the puke off the floor. And he just has this realization is like, man, my dad and my brother and like all of these employees are just sitting back at this company in Silicon Valley, and they're probably having some sort of like you know, ploy appreciation day, because that's sort of how my dad rolls. And, you know, they're all like getting their bonuses and having fun together and taking breaks to, you know, go shoot golf or mini golf or whatever it is. They're like living the life and I am here cleaning up someone's puke from the night before. What am I doing? And he has this thought process like, I wonder if my dad would take me back. Probably not. But maybe maybe if I like maybe I could text him, I could email him and just say like, dude, dad, super sorry any chance i can come back and he's like no i maybe i'll just show up and he just like wrestled with this for a while but he decided i'm gonna i'm gonna go back you know it's it's worth it even if he rejects me it's worth it to try it and so i'm gonna go back so he bummed 20 bucks off of a local church got a bus ticket and uh headed back to cali and uh Got to the bus stop and uh, don't know, didn't know how this happened, but he got to the bus stop and as he's like walking out of the bus stop, there was his dad. And his dad was like on the street right there. And he's like, son, I just had this feeling that you were coming. I, I don't know what, I just had this feeling that you were coming and I'm so glad that you came back. I'm so glad that you came back. And he began to say like, dad, you don't know what I've done. Like I've been, I've been doing it all. Like if you can imagine it, I've done it. All the things you told me not to do growing up, I have done it and uh, his dad was like i don't need to hear it i don't want to hear about it whatever you've done that's in the past i'm so glad you're back come on back so they drove back to the company and uh his dad um was like you know we're gonna have a party because that's what we do here we celebrate we celebrate the good things we mourn the bad things this is the good thing you're back and we are going to celebrate so they uh, liquidated a few shares got the money and this through this like big party and all of the family and all the friends came in and um all of the employees welcomed this guy back he's kind of like a son to the lot, a lot lot of them because he'd grown up in the company and there was just this huge celebration and his dad said in the middle somewhere it's like dude if you if you're interested i still want you to help run this company with me i want you to be a partner with me in this company and uh so yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's some of the story. What about the other brother? What about the other brother? Oh they yeah. You know, so he, um, he was actually at a meeting when the, when the dad went and picked up the brother at the bus station. And so he got back right in kind of the middle of this party and he was like, what in the heck's going on? Did someone have a baby? You know, what's going on? And he walked up, saw his brother and, uh, He walked up to him and just decked him. Boom. Boom. And then walked out. He's like, I... Because he kind of knew. You know, he was on Facebook. He was on Instagram. Like, he knew what his brother had been doing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he just... And he left. I was like, nope. Not dealing with it. Not dealing with it. Not dealing with my brother. And uh, so the dad... Eventually had to go out and and they talked and brother was like don't you know what he's done he's like yeah I know I know what he's done but he's back and that's what matters the fact that matters is he's back and uh, really sad the the older brother really never came around and uh, he ended up leaving starting his own company sort of a competitive company and um, sort of lost out on on the partnership with his dad and his brother so it's it's kind of a happy sad story yeah yeah. the end the end
1: the end the end but not the end but not the end interesting
0: yeah well i like that story Yeah, no, thanks um feel like i've heard that story before yeah it's it, it's 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 related that the material may not be entirely my own yeah yeah so i'm sure that many of you listening know that that is the modern retelling by hutch of the prodigal son yeah the parable
1: of the prodigal son, which was told by Jesus By Jesus, yeah. Luke
0: chapter 15. Yeah. And what what point would you say that was illustrating? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's a lot of different points that Jesus is is getting at. He's talking about the grace of the Father, the grace of God to welcome back sinners. The younger brother is is welcomed back even in spite of everything that he's done. And uh, and that and, and really in Jesus' time that story carries way more weight than it would in our day just because of the relationships of fathers and sons and and sort of the mentality of the younger son and saying I don't want anything to do with you dad um, but still the father welcomes him back so there's the grace of the of God the the need for repentance which we've talked about about a lot on this on this mm-hmm. uh, podcast. And then there's the the older brother who Jesus is telling the story in Luke 15 to a bunch of Pharisees who were sort of the religious leaders of the day, sort of thought they had it all together and weren't super willing to let sinners back into the fold. Mm-hmm. And and part of it was just a failure to recognize their own brokenness, their own need, their own sin. And so part of the parable is told against them as sort of the older brother figure. And um, but, but it's a story that has... You know, was told in a particular time, a particular context, for a particular purpose to illustrate some particular points, and yet it's a story that continues to resonate with with us today. And it's a it's a story that still tells our story, which is you know part of. We, so last week we talked a little bit about stories. Yeah. With uh with Howard. Yep. And. Uh, and we just talked a little bit about the the power of stories, and I think that that this is sort of a window into continuing that conversation. You know, why is a parable like this one told two thousand years ago in a totally different context, agricultural, rural, you know, Middle East, and yet that story still can carry carries freight right with yeah. us here today? Um, what is it about that story? What is it about stories that you think? have that staying power? Well, first off, well told. Thanks. Um, A little longer than I was intending, but. Yeah, it's okay. Um,
1: but I, I think that stories are so important. And I thought that Hannah put it really well because we are storied beings. Mm. Uh, I mean, if you think about it, where we were spoken into creation, yeah. you know, everything was spoken in, into being um, and, and, god is a god who uh tells stories yeah god is a god who invites us into a story Mm. the um what we know about god is from stories Mm. right yeah um and so i think that stories are all a part of us Mm. um and i think that just part of it too is that's the way our brain works And um, like Jesus, he was able to tell um, stories that illustrated a point where um, maybe telling the truth straight out that you're sinners, and even though you're sinners, you're accepted by my grace and love, but you who are not uh, showing grace and love to sinners are wrong. Yeah. Okay. That sums up part of the theme of the story, right? Yeah. Um, But there's an impact that can happen that can allow us to dive into the shoes of one of the brothers, right? You know, or maybe into both of the brothers, or maybe even into the dad. Yeah. Um. Or maybe even into the barkeep or something like that. We can we can dive into. Um, these stories and they can resonate with us because they touch us at a personal level. Yeah. Whereas being told explicitly that grace is for us and that we are sinners doesn't, it's impactful hmm. and we need to hear it and we hear it through Paul. Paul yeah. often writes yeah. that way. Um, but it's not the same as being able to take our imagination, this hmm. amazing brain that God has given us and use our imagination to Plop ourselves right in that story and say, ah, "I kind of feel like that," or yeah. I, that's kind of like what I did, or yeah. hmm, I have, I can see myself in that position. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think that that Jesus uses fiction very specifically so that things are accessible to everyone, and that that his truth that he is saying isn't necessarily in the words that he's saying, but he's speaking truth hmm.
0: does that make sense yeah i don't know yeah. that i might yeah but the story conveys something when he's when jesus is telling a parable the story conveys something more than just the specific words yeah which is you know he's telling where i mean in some ways with the parable of the prodigal son the context again agricultural and whatever but if jesus had told that story in a different day and age the the power and the weight and the truth of the story would have been the same even if the characters have been in a different context, right? Yeah. So, in that in that sense, the the specific words maybe of 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 the parable are not not as important as the theme.
1: Yeah, it's not each breaststroke is not necessarily as important as the overall picture yeah. that it paints, right? Yeah. So, I just love kind of what Jesus does in that, because yeah. it, it's not just the parable of the prodigal son. It's parable after parable after parable after parable that's speaking to different people. Yeah. It's speaking about different things that are inside us. And it we oftentimes see these parables not because Jesus is bored and sitting around a campfire and wants to tell a story, yeah. but someone asks him a question, right, and right. instead of just bluntly answering his question, he he invites us to consider yeah. And it's kind of like what Hannah was talking about this co-creatorship, hmm. right? He invites us into the story, right, right? Right. And so we see Jesus doing that at a very personal level when he's telling a story and he's answering a question, he's saying, "Okay, come along with me on this journey yeah. to hear what hear what I'm saying and apply it back to you." Yeah. And that's kind of what allows us to jump in to a particular character and kind yeah. of maybe even change maybe some of the actions that the younger brother did to kind yeah. of fit more our scenario or whatever. Yeah. Um, but if we take a step back from that, um, that's what God's doing too is inviting us into this co authorship with mm. Him, right? Yeah, maybe not, yeah, not authorship, co creatorship, yeah, right? Yeah, He's
0: inviting us to join into the story, yeah. Well, I, I like that, and I think you know a couple things about that. I think one of the things you see with with the parables of Jesus is that there's sort of sort of the both and in my mind of there's when he tells the parable of the good Samaritan, mm-hmm. then he follows up with the question, "Who was the neighbor?" You know, right? Like, um, there's an obvious point. Like, this is what I want you to get from it. When he tells the parable of the prodigal son, the the religious leaders immediately know what he's doing and why he is telling the story and it speaks directly to them and it still has the ability to speak beyond it and so i think that there's like when we talk about particularly the story of scripture and the sort of the big story that god's telling we'll get into that a little bit more but it's important to remember that there is sort of a a point that is not dependent upon us there's a reality to the story that's not dependent upon us there's sort of a truth claim in the story that's not dependent upon us and yet we are also invited in as you said sort of co-creators we are you know co-laborers in the vineyard would be another Mm -hmm. image that that jesus uses so we are participatory within the story and and yet in the in the context of something that is sort of set. There's a framework that's set. Um and and yet there's we we also have a role within that and we we live into our own particular context within that story. Yeah, that and borrow sense.
1: yeah, borrowing from Hannah again, she said, you know, there's a particular framework that she sets up in her stories, but within that framework there is freedom for different experiences different senses to take over different interpretations of of uh, maybe interpretations isn't the right word mm. but different angles of reality so if we were yeah. to tell retell that exact same story it wouldn't be the same words right I might emphasize some different things that right. resonated with me right then uh, different parts of the story or different parts of the theme that resonated with me that
0: That didn't necessarily resonate
1: with you yeah right yeah
0: well and as as you said the as you said you know some days i may read the story and i may see myself as the prodigal and that's true there are some days when i might read that story and see myself as the older brother and that's true and there are other days when i may read it and feel convicted that i need to be the father figure who welcomes in someone back into my life who has broken trust or done something hurtful to me, and that's also true, and that the story has its own, like, reality apart from me, but I also bring my own where I am and what I need to hear to the story, which I think is part of the power of Scripture. You know, Scripture continues to speak through generations, Mm -hmm. person after person, and and I would say that there is a truth to Scripture. There's sort of an objective reality to Scripture and to the story of Scripture, which we can get into. But then there's also the what I bring and what I need to hear and how the Spirit opens up the Word of God to me in a particular reading. And I can read the same verse 10 times on 10 different days mm-hmm. and and receive something particular to that day. Yeah. Which is, which is, I think, the gift of the Spirit. And then we can get into, this is sort of getting into hermeneutics and, and exegesis and biblical interpretation. We don't necessarily need to go there right now, but... Uh, uh,
1: yeah, let's not go there, because I don't know anything that you just said.
0: <laughs>
1: Perfect.
0: <laughs> we'll, we'll wait on that. We'll wait on that. <laughs> okay, cool. Um,
1: no, but I think, let's take a step back. Yeah. And so you told us a retelling of a parable. Right. That Jesus told. And we've kind of gone into why um stories resonate with us and kind of maybe even why Jesus um liked to speak in stories. But and then we, we kind of talked about kind of this co creatorship and being invited into the story. What I kind of want to take a step back and look a little bit more at Jesus and his using hmm. parables. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, so why is it important that Jesus taught in that particular way and mm-hmm. then it's maybe followed up and fleshed out kind of like by Paul and, and Peter does the same thing and, and, and James, you know, kind yeah. of the rest of the New Testament. But when we have the Gospels, it's very much, it's a story of Jesus' life, right? Right? It's right. told as a narrative. Yeah, He tells stories within that. There's different story arcs at different points, you know, yeah. kicking off his ministry, and then there's um, his earthly ministry, and there's walking to Jerusalem. So mm-hmm. there's kind of different points there. Yeah, stories um,
0: within stories. Yeah, so why why parables? Hmm. That's a great question. You know, I, I think, and, maybe... and, and there'd be a lot of biblical scholarship on that. I, I do think one is, you know, who Jesus is, is speaking to, and a lot of i mean some of the parables are to the religious leaders but usually there's a crowd there usually there's um people that wouldn't necessarily have all of the theological education of a scribe or a pharisee and so these are he's using real life examples to talk about the kingdom of god to talk about his own ministry to talk about how god interacts with us and so You know, he uses a lot of, again, a lot of, there's a lot of fields in there, a lot of agriculture. Uh, There's a lot of um, owners and people that kind of, you know, hire out people to work for them in that sort of relationship of someone with authority and someone without authority. And that's uh, common. He uses the, the vineyard a lot. And some of that is drawing on the Old Testament language about Israel. So, Israel in the Old Testament is talked about as a vineyard by God frequently. And so, some of the parables are, are drawing parallels with some of the Old Testament language. But I think that the stories are it's real life examples that your everyday person no matter their education would understand would be able to step into and would be able to say yeah i get that i see that i've experienced that i know that and then jesus is able to take to teach truth in the midst of that uh, through what we've experienced and uh, so there's there's that element of it there's also an element which is gets super confusing about the fact that parables are not crystal clear. And there's this, you know, strange quote from the prophet Isaiah that part of the reason Jesus teaches in parables is so that the people will not fully understand what's going on. And that's, again, something, (laughs) the sort of strange idea that that part of it is like almost purposefully to be, uh, to leave some room, um, and it's not just all clear-cut this is what I'm saying, and this is what the truth is, and so there's sort of a gaining perspective over time and through through continuing to listen and to, in some sense, the stories become real and true, and we see their meaning as we come to know Jesus more, yeah, more if, you know intimately, right? Like the parable of the prodigal son makes some context in just the story in the, in, in the context of God and God's relationship with Israel, but it even makes more sense in the context of what christ has done and others you know tim keller points this out he does he does a lot of stuff on the parable of the prodigal son but jesus is the older brother as the older brother should be right so it's the older brother's job to actually in that society to go out to seek out the younger brother to bring them back and that's not what the older brother does in the story but jesus is the sufficient older brother like the the older brother that seeks out the lost younger brother us and brings us back so like these these stories kind of take on more and more meaning as we actually see them not just as jesus told them but through the lens of who jesus is and what jesus has done yeah i think that's part of the part of it too that the stories can build
1: yeah well and i think that it was you know i guess god's pretty smart It, it was smart on his on his part to leave some wiggle room because i think that Um, we have the benefit of looking at Scripture and kind of seeing Jesus' life play out and seeing the life of uh, the Israelites play out and unfold over uh, centuries. But uh, we see what what happens when it's laid out, right? Mm -hmm. God laid out the law, and then you have this is what you do and what you don't do, right? Yeah. And we can see a certain... uh, segment of people, a certain segment of the religious leaders and educators that take that and kind of run with it and add to it. But I also like the fact that you kind of pointed out Jesus being the older brother as he is, so he is directly putting himself in contrast with the religious authorities of the day and saying, don't put your hope in that. Yes, Put your hope In me right right Right. because i have come to
0: find the lost sheep i've come to be the shepherd Um, well you know it's one of the things about the stories that jesus tells and just as we look through scripture i would say is that not every not every story is something that we should imitate not every character is you know good it's not like you read scripture and say oh yeah that's i should be like that you know when you're reading the Good Samaritan, and you have the priest and the Levite that walk by on the side of the road. No, 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 don't be like that, right? When you read about the older brother, it's a it's a contrasting example to what how we should actually live, and I, I think about the story of Job. You have these friends that come, and, and the one thing you probably should imitate is the sitting for seven days in silence after some extreme grief, because the ministry of presence is real, but then they start talking, and... Nothing that they say is useful, helpful, or even true. So, you have three quarters of the book of Job that's sort of only helpful as...
1: A cautionary tale. As a
0: cautionary (laughs) tale, yeah. Or, like, telling you, like, this is not true. You know, three quarters of Job, if you just open up Job and take out a verse and say, like, this is going to be my motto for the day, you're probably going to... Be living contrary to actually to what God desires, unless you unless you open up to book you know verse chapter forty and beyond when God starts to speak. Yeah, and again, this is, when we come to come to scripture, recognizing and this gets into another topic, but what is scripture and how do we read it? How do we receive it? And uh, and and even recognizing sort of the just like a story has context, scripture has context, mm-hmm. and it's important to to think about that when we when we read it.
1: Let's back up for a second. Take a step back, because uh we're all over the map today, which is not a bad <laughs> we thing. We we have, we have yeah. popped the top off of many a yeah. can of worms today.
0: Yeah. So that was a bad sound.
1: Is that? That was pretty good. Ooh. They got the little fizz. Yeah, they're going. Okay. I like that. But anyway, yeah. so we've got back. all these worms scattered around the table. I know that our job is not to – our idea is not to pick up these worms and put them back in the can. Yeah. But let's uh, – we'll sweep scoop them up, in a little bit. Sweep them a little bit, yeah. yeah. So, so we kind of talked about story and its resonance and why God talks to us in story and the right. importance of, of story. And we'll get to the overall story. Um. But we're specifically talking about Jesus and parables and kind of why he talks about that. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's important, too. We've talked about this co-creatorship yeah. um, that Hannah kind of invited us into. It's something that kind of really fascinated us both yeah. from what she was saying. Um, but how do you see that playing out in um, practicality and in reality mm. and not just in uh, – I, I kind of know – how I can be a co-creator in Ignite the Sun, right? I yeah. can kind of join a character for a ride, but it's right. It's kind of stays there, right? Right, right. I mean, it, it's impactful. It's impactful to me, and it can make me think about some things. Yeah. But we know that Scripture is not just meant to make us think about things, yeah. but it's also meant to call us to action, right? right? right.
0: So, so talk about that a little bit. Yeah, no, that's really good. Well, and I think this is where... The and if you, if you haven't noticed, like we are talking about scripture as as story, and, and yeah. we'll we'll get more into that. But this is where scripture as story just takes a hard right turn from other stories. That this is we believe a true story, an ongoing story, a real and a a true story that we are participating in. Right? Yeah. So when I and in some sense it, it's it's a closed story in terms of there's a beginning and there's an end and those things are set. But unlike most of the books that we read, um, we are actually living, we believe, in the middle of the story. And so we're we're, we're participants in that story. And so I think, you know, if if you were able to step into the pages of Lord of the Rings right before the Battle of Helm's Deep, then you'd have a couple options, right? Do I run away because this is going to be messy run away run away run away, <laughs> run away uh i was like i don't want to i don't want to mess with some urakai do you you know say hmm you know sauron looks pretty powerful i'm going to join his side or boo yeah, or do you say i'm gonna go and stand with the you know men of rohan and aragorn and gimli and legolas and i'm gonna i'm gonna fight you know and i'm gonna i'm gonna participate in this battle and i think you know, in some sense, that's sort of the invitation that we have as participants in this story. And as the kingdom is coming, what's our role going to be? And this goes back to again the very first episode: repent, because the kingdom of God is at hand. And, and part of repentance is coming onto the side of Christ and the side of this kingdom that is breaking in. It's uh, and the language is is. Agents of reconciliation is is Second Corinthians chapter five language, but we are we're on the the side of Christ, and we are taking up whatever role He invites us into and living into um, that that story in that way. Um, yeah. But we can also not be on the side of the kingdom, right? And and that's if we're not repenting, if we're not um, being connected to the vine, then in some sense we're either running from the battlefield or we're siding with sauron and we don't think about about it in those terms but i think those are sort of the options available to us yeah and well, if you haven't read lord of the rings i'm sorry that's not going to be a helpful analogy but go read lord of the rings it's worth it and then come back and listen to this episode yeah
1: i, th- I think it's still helpful because you painted pretty well who the good guys are and who the bad guys are yeah. it's pretty obvious and yeah. what three options you have there but I, I think that you're right. Jesus is charged to repent because the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is at hand is calling us off the bench. And I think we talked yep. about that too, right? It's calling us off the bench. It's calling us into the story and to know that it's never too late to jump into the story, right? Right? right. It's never too late to to get into the game and to be an active participant. But I think one of the things that's challenging too, we have this uh, co creatorship that we engage in and even in this co-creatorship you still have the author of the story right Right. and we are the reader or the participant or the one who's being told the story even though we're being invited into that story a lot of times we can take our role that we're being called into and then we can try to grab the pen and start writing the story yeah and we're not the author right? right right so um I think that there's a fourth option there that we can mm. kind of do. Sometimes is is take our co-creatorship mm. um, as a as a mandate to finish our chapter or to yeah. write our own story. Yeah, and that's not what we're being invited to do. We're being yeah. invited into his story.
0: Right. Well, I think that, and I think that's when we talk about sort of culture and Christianity and and how do we engage with the world around us. I I think, you know, there there are some truths that are inescapable. I think that that our society, no matter how far it gets from a sort of Christian standpoint, can't get away from. And I and I think the reality of being sort of storied beings is not something that we can get away with we can get away from. Mm -hmm. So like I think we recognize that. And then the invitation though is write your own. You're the author. You're the narrator. You're the narrator. Whatever you want to come to pass can come to pass. You can make it happen. Take up your pen and write. And so, yeah, you don't like the story? Write your own. Write your own. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. You don't don't like like your circumstance? Choose a different ending. Yeah. And so the the disagreement is not that there is a story. It's it's whose story, and what's our role in it. And I think that that's where sort of the again this this conflict arises and where the christianity has a unique perspective and what we also believe and this is where we get into providence and god's sovereignty is that no matter how many times we try to take up our pen to write our own story it's still part of god's story yeah like we can write all the live long day but i mean it's like someone in a book writing a story about their own life in the book right like you as the reader know, like there's still a character in the book. Yeah. Like Sam not, Bilbo. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. They're writing Yeah, exactly. They write the the book of the story, but there are still characters in the story. There's no getting away from that. And and so I think and I, I think story is kind of a fascinating way to talk about providence and to talk mm-hmm. about sovereignty and, and human responsibility and freedom. Cause, you know, as characters in a story each choice that comes along is your own choice in the story. And yet the author still has the omniscience of knowing what you're going to do and also writes the characters and what they're going to do. And yet in the story, there's still that freedom. So I think it's, I don't know. Well, I've heard multiple
1: authors. It's, so that's fascinating. Including Hannah. Talk yeah. about their characters and how their characters, as they start to write them, take on a life of their own. Yeah. And, but they have an overall story that they're telling and right. they have a particular um, role that this person's gonna play in that story. And just yeah. because this character takes on its own life, well um I've heard I I, I like Orson Scott Card and yeah. at the end of all of his audiobooks he does a little interview about his audiobooks and I've heard the same with um Polini. Oh what's his first name? Anyway, wrote Aragon. Yeah 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 Um, and, and the inheritance cycle. But anyway, he, he does some interviews too at the end and each of them will have like a character that they're writing that kind of took on, uh, an importance that they didn't intend to at the start, which this is where the metaphor falls apart because God's very intentional and and he's knows what's going to happen. Um, but it didn't change the story that they set out to write. Right. Right. Yeah. So in some ways we can grab onto our role, and we can let God and the author write through us, yeah. right? Yeah, and let yeah. let, and that's where we become stronger characters, if you will. Yeah. And like we can let the Holy Spirit enable us, and we can. Um, I don't want it falls apart because words, yeah, uh, are hard to express this because it's a all the words, than reality. yeah, it's a different <laughs> meaning than reality. Yeah. um because it, the goal is not to become the most important in the kingdom of heaven the yeah. goal is not to become uh to take on a life of our own the the, yeah. the goal's not, that's not the goal yeah. but we can see uh, how by joining into the story uh and not fighting against the story that we can become the character that God created us to be in the most full way
0: right right yeah and 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 i think you know every story has an ending and some of them are happy endings some are sad endings some are a mixture of both but as characters walk through the story they are preparing themselves we might say for the ending and they're preparing themselves for what sort of place they'll have in that ending and and i think that that's part of what we would say about our own lives too is that there is an ending it's set and we get a picture of that in revelation we get an you know an image of what that is going to be like in revelation but then what how are we preparing ourselves in some sense to participate in the sort of ending that god's bringing
1: yeah well i think that that kind of moves us into our our next point that talking about the Bible as a whole and what story the Bible is telling as a whole. And how do we read that? How does maybe modern writing have, it's been influenced by, by the story or overall story arc of the, of, of the Bible. But I don't know that we have time to go into that right now.
0: Yeah. That might be next episode.
1: I think so. Perfect. For those of you who are listening, thanks for listening. Um, those of you who are not listening, thanks for not listening. Um, (laughs) you know, God is calling you to be a part of the story and you are a part of the story, whether you feel God That's calling right. you or not. That's right. Um, but he's calling you to jump into the story, to jump in to your role, uh, your specific character that he created you to be. Right. Um, so if you have questions about practically how to do that, we're talking a lot about fantasy and we're talking a lot about story and stuff. And that can be hard to kind of interpret and apply yeah. to our life. Um, but if you have any questions about that, come on down to First president We'd love to to welcome you into the community and kind of dive into that. As uh, Hutch said, we love coffee. So uh, go on, on to the, our website, uh, firstchurchtulsa.org, and uh, find our email. Shoot us an email. Uh, we'd be happy to grab uh coffee with you and talk a little bit about where you fit into to this overall story. But yeah, anything to add to that, Dan?
0: No, I think that's... Pretty much sums it up.
1: Yeah. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks again to Eric Baird for this excellent intro and outro music. He's a very talented fella. Uh, You can come down to church and uh, hear him play in our uh, contemporary and blended services. Thanks to First Pres for letting us use this. Thanks to Hannah C. Howard for letting us (laughs) co-opt her name and the likeness of her image, I guess. (laughs) She's sponsoring us? Yeah. Maybe? Sort of. Who knows? She agreed. Kind of.
0: She agreed after the fact. After the fact.
1: (laughs) But uh, that's all we got from you from the Hannah C. Howard studio here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We are Life on the Vine. I'm Jackson. I'm Hutch. And we will talk at you later.